0: So, as I come across a number in day to day life, <laughs> i'll I'll put it in in a simple note and I'll make a note of that number and what it you know what it referenced. and you know when I get to that episode, I have it.
1: That is that should have remained a secret shame.
0: You know, I'm committed to this, man. I mean, this is what I do day in and day out. You, you guys don't understand. I never stop. I never turn. We, we stop the. We stop broadcasting, but I never turn it off, man. I'm always doing this.
1: You're listening to PHP Ugly, episode seventy six, recorded September fourteenth, two thousand seventeen. Today we talk about domain driven design and philosophies, our history on the internet, and the Equifax security breach.
0: Here we go. It was an eloquently simple but powerful statement. We hold these truths to be self evident that all men are created equal, that they are empowered by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A statement, nay, a declaration, made to Great Britain and the world that 13 colonies in a distant land would be standing on their own two feet, no longer beholden to the Britain throne, and was themselves 13 independent sovereign states. These 13 states would form the United States of America, and this document would be known as America's Declaration of Independence, signed July 4th, 1776. And this is episode 76 of PHB Ugly. That Freedom Ring edition.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I thought you were going to be low energy. Now I understand <laughs> why you're standing.
0: So fun fact.
1: You've got the spirit of America in you. Fun fact.
0: Here. We here in the United States celebrate our Independence Day, July 4th, every year. That's the whole July 4th thing. But little known fact, July 4th was the day... We signed it. We actually didn't declare our independence to Britain until the following day, July fifth. So July fifth is actually the day the US declared its independence to the world, not July fourth. But it's the day we signed it. So we're like, yeah, you know, whatever. July fourth. It's it's a it's a better better rounder date, so that's when we celebrate it. So anybody who visits America who who've always wondered why the number seventy six seems prevalent In US customs and cultures, we have the Philadelphia 76ers, 76ers, we have Soldier 76, we have Systems, Spirit of 76, Spirit of 76, we have System 76, which I did confirm with System 76 that it all relates back to freedom. Declaration and all that other stuff. I uh, I sent them an email and asked them what the system, what the seventy six and system seventy six was, and they told us, told me that. Wow. So that's 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 why uh, in America, American culture seventy six is such a prevalent number. It's because seventeen seventy six is when we declared our independence. How are you doing, Thomas? I'm doing pretty good. You feeling independent? How How do you think? Adams, Jefferson, all those great minds who put themselves together, who decided to rise up against a whole other country, how do you think they would feel about the people we have running our country today?
1: I think that if we put magnets on their corpses and put a couple coils of copper around the graves, we could power the entire country with their spinning.
0: I, I have a tendency to agree with you. I I don't think they would be happy with the direction we we've gone. It's seems very disappointing, and it's funny because, uh, you know, we were, you know, a, a a sovereign state. We were we were we were proclaiming our independence as sovereign state. Now, if you listen to these watch a youtube video and somebody claiming themselves as a uh, sovereign citizen and they're quoting oh, laws God. that were that were designed back in the civil war by the the, the team that lost and trying to you know <laughs> trying to declare themselves a sovereign citizen you know we laugh but there was a time i mean you know right now we 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 would never entertain the idea of somebody rising up against us claiming that they're they're their own sovereign country but there was a time we did that, and it was important. It was impactful and kind of cool.
1: California keeps <laughs> wanting to consider it.
0: No, Texas. Texas is the one that keeps trying to do it. They're the ones that keep wanting to uh, become their own country.
1: <clears throat> Aren't they already? Kind of. Wouldn't we yeah. have a hard time taking over Texas?
0: <laughs> Would we want to, really? I mean, really?
1: Well, they've got all the guns. <laughs>
0: oil, they got the oil,
1: oh yeah, yeah,,
0: <clears throat> so what you been up to thomas we're oh we're, we're flying we're flying just the two of us no uh no john tonight,
1: yep. as... he's, yeah he's he's continuing his mission to scrub his name from this podcast,
0: <laughs> distance and... himself he's 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 does he he went and did one of those face swaps like uh like uh travolta and uh cage did you know yeah he's Changed his face now, so I don't even recognize the guy. I don't know who he is. He's got a new family. It's weird.
1: it's weird, but that happened faster than I expected.
0: <laughs> or he might just have something else to do tonight. We can't be sure. It's it's kinda hard to tell with John. He doesn't really commu- <clears throat> he doesn't communicate well.
1: <clears throat> so <Ooh. clears throat> I've been uh been going a little stir crazy. Uh mm. We've, we've had a project that's been dragging on for what I think now is two months longer than it should have. should have been done two months ago. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, uh, my work on it was done f- four months ago. My involvement is essentially over. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so all the project managers and higher-ups are busy assigning work and getting things tasked out for other people and don't have a lot of time to task me with a lot of jobs. So I've been reading researching uh Mm -hmm. been a little bored
0: (laughs) i got a question for you how do how do you handle i i don't know why this is um i feel like this is like an achilles heel for me and i i really can't put my finger on why it is but how do you handle going back on your old code um like say a year later like, I feel like, let me explain to you, to you my situation. Not that this has happened recently, but you, you, what you said sparked up some thoughts. So, you know, we work on a lot of proof of concepts or we work on these little projects that they want to see how they're working. And then they'll get shoved w- for a while. And then maybe six months down the road or a year down the road, they want to pull them back out and look at them. And I've discovered that, either i change i i change my techniques f- so frequently or I, I change my patterns or my the way i think of something or the way i approach a problem f- so frequently that that like a year later i feel like i fumble around in my own code yeah, absolutely and I'm like, i i i struggle i i don't what is what is with that it's like i should be able to fly through this code without without an issue and i find myself struggling to to understand my own patterns when I'm the one that implemented them. And it it does eventually start to click, but I feel like, I feel like, you know, like an old wheel trying to get turning is like, oh, get turning, get turning, get turning. So is that like human nature or is that, am I just like,
1: I I struggled with that today, specifically today. Uh, I had an old ticket from August of last year that had just Had The the PR was sitting Mm -hmm. there, it needed to get implemented, and it never got put in. And my task for today was to take that, get it compatible with today's code, which is a different version of Laravel. And that was where Mm -hmm. I ran into trouble. So, this was written in 5.1. Our current version is 5.3. And enough had changed that figuring out where everything belonged... Was a task all on its own, um, moving the things around, point, you know, fixing the pointers to the right locations. It didn't end up being too horrible, but that it definitely there was a framework change that created the issue.
0: Yeah, see, it, it, for me, it's it's not even it's not even a, a change in framework. It's just abandoning a code base. Like if if I'm not, I, I work on several several projects with multiple clients and if i'm not in a code base uh day in and day out no matter how long i've worked on that code base i just feel like i fumble around for way well, i experiment too, a lot like, i mean it's
1: i i read techniques and tips and tricks and i start using them and if it's works out for a week or for a month then I might keep it. If it turns out just not really be beneficial for me, I'll drop it. So I'll pull up old code that has, uh, you know, way too many ternaries used in it. And I'll look at it like, what was I thinking at the time? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I I was doing something specific here, trying to eliminate using this and ended up, this wasn't the way to go. And uh, I'll look at code that was really, really yeah. short methods and everything pointed to repositories. And I don't do that anymore. And so it's just that it's just that my mm-hmm. style keeps evolving.
0: Yeah, I think I have that problem, too. Yeah. Hmm.
1: But I spent a lot of time this week looking at DDD.
0: OK, domain driven development.
1: Yeah. Do you have
0: any experience with that? Not a ton. No.
1: It's very cool. Mm hmm. So I, I told you and John that if I were to speak at a conference coming up in San Diego, I would want to talk about the the importance of the, the, the language library that clients and developers use between each other. Mm-hmm. And getting into DDD, I realize, oh, that's a whole practice with an established series of books published by uh, computer science professors who know far more th- what they're talking about than I do.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, not that you don't know what you're talking about, but yes, it's a very established uh, approach. Yeah, Des- and so design. that's essentially... I guess it's a, de- it's a design pattern, right? Because it's actually domain-driven no. design.
1: No, no, it's a it's a philosophy.
0: Okay, yeah, I- I'll give that to you. Uh-huh.
1: Um, I would say a design pattern would be something that gets included in DDD. There's a lot of uh, design patterns that are well applied to domain-driven design but domain-driven design itself is a philosophy on how you start a a project how you continue work on a project and how you uh, maintain a project over years and years Mm -hmm. um and it really is the art of of language it really is just figuring out spending time not programming so that when you get to the programming part you know what you're doing Mm -hmm. um so i've got some I've got some books on order. I've got uh, <laughs> patterns, principles, and practices of domain driven design by Scott Millett. That's, which that's I've,
0: a very popular one actually.
1: yeah, I've started going through what I can find uh, on the free page of amazon the, <laughs> the the look inside section and there's some there's some stuff that as a a long-term developer, I go, yeah, that's common sense. I've been doing that for, you know, 10 years. But then there's other stuff where I realize, oh, this isn't necessarily common sense. This is just practices I've come to because I've been doing it for so long. These are lessons I've learned, and they're lessons that could be taught as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stuff like uh, event, event state uh cqrs which is what sort of got me into it do you know about cqrs i do not cqrs is sort of a uh gets covered a lot by domain driven design because it's a way of handling uh models event
0: state or event sourcing i think you're talking about event sourcing right
1: uh maybe i am i'm not the best at it yeah yet. <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> i haven't actually written anything um but the uh, the general idea is that there should be a read model and a write model and they should be separate and when you're reading you read from the read model and when you're writing you write to the write model that's interesting that keeps things separate
0: so i had I, i didn't realize that was part of domain driven uh design but i mean for a while actually still today um you know we have this uh uh I, I guess you can call it an API driven architecture. I and mean, one of the kind of things that I did with it is we have a read replica of our database. And so I created a model around that read replica. And unless the action that was being called was an actual write action, it would always it would read from the read repli- replica and it would only write using the right model. Right. So kind of the same approach but not not really but uh the the idea was to kind of split that workload a little bit so that writes happen on one server and the reads happen on the other server and you know hopefully handle uh the loads a little better
1: yeah and one of the ideas behind uh cqrs is that uh is it that should be the sort of the nature of models in the first place is that reading should be separated from writing and they shouldn't be related in any way. Um, you're either performing the, the action or you're performing a read. Uh, let me see what the the best term is for that.
0: So CQRS is that command query responsibility Right. I have the there Wikipedia page open. That's the only reason I know that. So
1: C, uh, uh, command meaning, uh, write, update, delete, query being read, and then, you know, responsibility, segregation. That's Those are the two responsibilities, is command, command or query.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that those two things don't touch.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you've got... Not, not completely opposed to it. I mean, I def- definitely think it's adding overhead to the developers, but... Uh...
1: And that's I mean, the it Seems like a good approach. That's the cool part about DDD is that they acknowledge that this provides overhead for developers and that it's not necessary. It is just a recommended technique for scalable elements. But if your domain isn't scalable in a specific direction, then you don't have to do QCRS. You don't have to
0: Right. So for example, QCRS doesn't buy you anything if you don't have a separate read database, right? If you if you're if you're still talking to one database, it doesn't doesn't buy you anything to separate those models, or if the data but is in static. Case that, yeah, but like in the case I was using it, where the read database was a completely separate database, and. The right database was a, was a, you know still its its own database. I, I in theory would get a little benefit out of that. I you know my benefit not only for it was a performance benefit, but in my head there was a security benefit too because yeah. if somebody ever compromised a page that was associated to a read model it wouldn't matter, right? Yeah. Because that database is a read-only database. So there's, they, they could never, well, I mean, I wouldn't say it wouldn't matter. They could still extract information, but they would never be able to delete the database or drop tables or anything like that in theory.
1: Yeah, and it also lets you jump into stuff like event sourcing or command bus. You can switch things around on the write model without having to worry about the, the sanctity of the read model.
0: There was a very very brief hiccup in time where where the command bus was a big deal in Laravel. Yeah, and then it quickly went it's away. Like
1: four or five months. It really yeah. like it was everywhere, and then it disappeared.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, and I was kind of excited about it. It Took me a little while to get my head around the command bus, and honestly, haven't used it. Never used it. I mean, Jeffrey Wade did a couple of videos on it, and then all of a sudden, everybody stopped talking about it, and I never thought to implement it, but. Yeah, it's yeah. You're right. That is part of the whole DDD implementation.
1: Yeah. So DDD has a ton of. I mean, if you look at the the contents of that patterns and designs. I mean, it just goes through so many different design patterns, previously solved problems that you probably shouldn't waste your time with. Um, event storming, impact mapping. I mean, it's it's a whole language all on its own but Mm -hmm. I'm super fascinated with it, and I've been trying to motivate myself to read it. I watch a lot of YouTube videos, or I have a lot of ambient YouTube videos just going while I'm working, and I'm finding that 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 works Mm -hmm. well for writing code, but it's not working very well for doing reading. So I have to shut (laughs) off my
0: my entertainment. (laughs) I've been, uh, speaking of entertainment while you work, Man, I I've I've been hungry for a new playlist. I I've been cycling through uh, music lately. Now I am I am hooked on an album, and I harbor a lot of guilt for my uh, appreciation for this album because I can't I can't sing it in public, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Uh, and that's Jay Z's new 444 oh, yeah. no, album. You
1: cannot. I. I'm. I you can't even sing it in your head I, in public. No,
0: can't. Can't. No. Uh, no. No. I can't sing it by myself without feeling guilty yeah. and like a racist. But I tell you what, that guy. Guy's got such rhythm, such flow. I mean, he just kind of gets me, gets me in that groove when I listen to him spit. Man, he's all, all his albums. I, I'm a fan of Jay Z uh he's one of those guys i I can just listen to him just wax it all the time and but this latest one i got into it and i didn't re- like it didn't process at first what he was saying and then i started listening to the words where i'm like wow that is yeah. bad <laughs> and then the i don't know if you've seen the video for the one the one song i saw it on youtube uh, it, it was weird. I think I saw it right when all that um, white supremacist stuff was happening, and I saw it on YouTube.
1: Was it the the poverty? Poverty. Is it? Yeah. Was it the 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 poverty in America video?
0: Oh, let me look it up now. Uh, I don't think that's that doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like the doesn't seem like poverty in America. It, it was it was the one uh, the other one that that's very difficult to sing in public i don't even know the title of it i should get the title see, see if i can <laughs> see if i can at least say the title here hold on uh let's see oh, come on it's right ready uh oh the story of oj uh i saw saw that video and i was i don't know that oh one. yeah you do i'm sh- you need to do a youtube search for it so when i first saw the video i didn't i didn't hear the music so i didn't realize I didn't realize this was the video for the music. And when I first saw the video, I thought this was associated to that whole white supremacy stuff that was happening in South Carolina. And then then somebody had told me, no, that's Jay-Z's video. I'm like, get the hell out of here. And so I, I listened to it. And I think that's probably the first time I really listened to the lyrics. And I'm like, "Wow, I can't, I can never sing this song ever. No and, and the video is like no. 10 times worse
1: You cannot watch this video anymore
0: <laughs> I'm telling you man but the, but the song is awesome I mean the the If you listen to the rhythm and the flow And the music and what he's singing It's, it's a great song But yeah not one I'll be singing To my children anytime soon
1: No <laughs> Granted your children are adults but Yeah <laughs> yeah, so re- reeling back from that, <laughs> I've been I've been getting back into listening to to some music while I work instead of uh, instead of some more focused entertainment. But realizing uh, that I'm I'm bored, uh, I asked uh, I asked my my boss man if there were any big, cool, awesome projects coming up in the future, something something interesting to work on. And he just said no, hmm.
0: so,
1: so I might uh, I might have to take myself into some open source work. You know. to keep myself going.
0: So we, we uh, <clears throat> believe believe or not got a comment on our our live YouTube stream. You know what? Uh, Google really needs to figure out a way when you when you get comments when people are commenting on your YouTube stream to put it in the Hangout. Uh, but yeah. Uh, ben commented, "You need to use a heavy-duty IDE that helps you examine your code." I assume he's talking back to when we were—I uh, was talking about struggling through my code, and I do, Ben. I use PHP Storm. Doesn't doesn't help when I use uh, the IDE. Yeah, that's true. I don't use it all the time, but I do have a tendency to use it uh, on new code bases. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm heavily.
1: I'm heavily reliant on my IDE. I, I've I spent a pretty good amount of time.
0: You use Storm as well, at, right?
1: Yeah, I spent a good amount of time really getting used to all of the features
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and making sure that I knew them sort of by heart instead of having to look them up one at a time.
0: Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to get there myself. I really am, but I just I I, I tell you, I have said it in the past, and I'll say it again. If I stick with with the ide too long i swear to god i feel like a weaker developer i go back into vim and i start coding something up and some of the simpler things i struggle with some of the things i take advantage of in an ide and I, i'm embarrassed i'm embarrassed that i forget to include use statements in my uh <laughs> and i even have i even have a plug-in where if like, like I, I'm pulling in the request uh, class, right? I have a plugin where I can do a key combination of them, and it, it'll pull in the use statement. But it's not like Storm where it just automatically does. It doesn't, you know, say, "Hey, yeah, you're trying to use this and pull it in." I ha- I have to actually acknowledge the fact that I need to use it and throw it a key combination. In. So the the aut- automation of pulling it in is pretty simple. I don't have to remember the path and all that. Um, I just forget to do it, and I tell you, and Storm just makes me feel—I don't know, like I guess it's, it's a crutch. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Like it's a crutch. Um, I don't know. I—I'm I, I, not knocking Storm. It's a fantastic product. I mean, hands down, the one of the best. Their whole line of IDEs seem to be—it's the best.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's hands for PHP. It's the best. Yeah, there's
0: there's few. There are few. IDs out there where it's just been such an overwhelming i I, I, I hear very few people knock storm and the and the ones I do you know i I acknowledge what they're saying it's a performance hit like especially if you're used to vim how quick vim is firing up storm takes a little while it does take a little bit of memory if you have a weaker computer but if once you have it fired up that that goes away I mean i'll I'll keep i'll keep yeah i've never i'll keep storm open for days i mean i it's not like i close it down every day i just open it up but still i I don't know i um i I don't know i just i like my vim man i like my i like my vim but I, i i've been using storm way more like pretty much unless i'm doing a quick edit I, i'll I'll go into storm I'm still using all my vim bindings we all know this about me that's how i that's how I code i I don't understand people who don't use vim bindings when they code but but the the storm stuff man it, it, it I hope it never goes away because uh, it's uh we have a, pretty much our entire Diego dev team uses VIN, or uses storm and I, you know. I know everybody feels like they're way more productive because of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can understand feeling like you're a better programmer for using Vim, but if I'm paying somebody to work, I want them to use a power tool, not a a hand chisel.
0: Nope. Take exception of that. A a Vim is a highly customized sniper rifle. It's very unique to that user that's been (laughs) dialed in very specifically. So it's not a chisel. And Vim, I mean, the thing about Vim is, if somebody's coding well in Vim, then you know that they understand the platform that they're coding in. So, so yeah, that's I'm not the other gonna... thing is I
1: don't want to fork out the money for for a Vim user. If...
0: <laughs> it's no, there's no additional money. What are you talking about? Uh, so, if you weren't using Storm, if Storm wasn't a thing, I think I've asked you this question before. If Storm wasn't a thing, uh. What would you be using? And the reason I ask this is in the the thing I tell John a lot is not everybody can afford Storm. Like not every and and there is a learning curve to understand how to use Storm. I mean, Storm is not something you just open up and start using. I mean, you could, but you're not going to get the power out of it. It's going to be very confusing. Um, and again, not everybody can afford whatever the license model is for. It's like a hundred bucks out. for a
1: year. It's not bad,
0: dude. Really, not a hundred yeah. bucks a year. You don't think that's bad? What else do you pay a hundred bucks a year for? Probably nothing. And a hundred bucks a year might not be bad if you're making a living off PHP. And it's <laughs> you, in say,
1: you say nothing, but I'm thinking of all the things I pay a hundred bucks a month for.
0: A <laughs> hundred bucks a year is a lot, especially if if you don't make a living off PHP. If it's just a hobby, so you're not you, you can't use Storm. and and you can't you can't spend your budget is let's say uh i don't know if storm's 100 bucks let's say your budget's 50 bucks a license not a year a license what what do you go with hot hot dog pro hot dog pro yeah what's hot dog pro i've never heard of that one
1: there's a website homepage creator in 1993 it, it came with all the links, to all the animated gifs. I don't know why you spent that, that you needed. I'm talking to it you. Started, about, it started. the default template? Today, said in construction.
0: Today, what would you do today?
1: Um, today I, I have two options. I would strongly consider three options. Um, I consider Gedit and Notepad plus plus to be in the same category. Okay, Notepad um,
0: plus plus is Windows specific though, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Uh, it might be ported out now, but uh, I'd really, I'd be looking at Sublime Text 3.
0: Sublime Text. Oh, yeah. 3 actually just got released this week, huh? Yeah. Yeah, So yeah. we just we just um, onboarded a new contractor this week who's a big Sublime user. I know Sublime's big in the Laravel uh, community as well.
1: <clears throat> it's big with Ruby developers, too.
0: Yeah, I, I've never been a big Sublime. I have Sublime. I even paid for a license for Sublime. Um Never been a big Sublime user, but I I know it's it's one of the more heavily used ones out there, um, code editors out there. Uh, now before I before I came to Storm, as far as IDEs use use goes, I've been using Vim forever, uh, but I did I did give a pretty f- significant run at NetBeans for a while. Um, NetBeans isn't bad. That, I don't know where they're at nowadays. I used uh, Eclipse
1: back in the day, which is a hot back there. Wow, uh, yeah, hot dumpster
0: fire. Yeah, the Eclipse. You talk. You talk about slow to load. Holy crap! But that thing could. Oh my god! Could do everything under the kitchen Days. sink, man. Holy crap! Um, Adam uh, would be, probably be one of the ones I'd go with if, if I couldn't use Vim and I couldn't use Storm. I don't know why I couldn't use Vim, but let's just say I couldn't. Uh, I would probably try Adam and uh the if you if your if, you're,
1: if your colon keyboard button broke <laughs> you'd have to switch off of
0: vim um adam so i have been i've been tracking the beta version of adam At- so there's two there's two adam releases there's adam the publicly available blah 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 and then there's the beta version which is also publicly available but they always have the cool new features and i noticed today and I installed it and didn't even didn't even think to, to play with it before the, the call. I didn't know we were gonna go down this path. But uh Adam released plugins to turn the Atom editor into an IDE. So instead of hmm. you instead of you having to go and figure out all the plugins you need for PHP and trying to make Adam kind of customized for PHP development, they have a whole IDE system that you can now plug into it. And it's supposed to give the look and feel of an IDE. I don't know what exactly that is. Like I said, I didn't even think to launch it before the before we started talking. That that would be like my like my fantasy was that one day JetBrains would release a Vim plugin that simulated all the stuff that they did in Storm because all of it is out there. You know, like all the functionality that Storm has is out there in Vim and different plugins. And I'm like, I would pay. I would pay JetBrains to come out come out with a Vim plugin to simulate all the stuff that that they have Storm doing. I'd, I'll pay them. I would pay them hundred bucks. I would pay them a hundred bucks I'll pay a year. A bounty.
1: <laughs> I looked at it. Sublime Text is eighty. So, so I'm still not, still not really? within your, yeah, still not within your requirements there.
0: Wow, that surprises the hell out of me. That's how much a license for Sublime Text is costing
1: sublime text 3 Even, might be different for sublime text 2 but
0: wow that's crazy i didn't didn't have, didn't realize that okay so you're you you can't you can't do sublime text too much money how much I gave you i'll 50 tell you bucks. i'll tell you
1: what do you know what i learned to write code in front page uh Microsoft. way better than that <laughs> if i told you it was the vim arch enemy what would you say it was emacs fuck yeah
0: you learned it in Emacs?
1: I learned how to write code in Emacs. X Emacs specifically. An
0: idiot. You talk about not being able to e- e- exit a freaking editor. No, X Emacs. How do you exit Emacs?
1: You, cl- you click huh? the X. You close it. This was uh oh. this was a GUI driven. <laughs> this was GUI Emacs.
0: So there is a fantastic version of Emacs that I was trying to convert myself to called Space Max. I've told you guys about this in in the past. And SpaceMax was designed for Vim developers, and uh, it had what, what they called was a HUD, a heads-up display. It was ingenious. So it had a bunch of the Vim bindings, but if you hit the spacebar, hence the name SpaceMax, Space Emacs, mm-hmm. if you hit the spacebar, this whole HUD would pop up, and you could actually navigate everything, you, you know, like like your menu system in in a GUI, you could navigate everything you needed to do if in case you forgot like let's say there's a command that you don't use a lot in Vim, you know, you have to open up your vim r. c. file or or you know if you have it in there like i'll I'll create key bindings that I don't use frequently, and I'll have to reference back to my Vim r. c. file to see what those key bindings were and exactly what they did. But in this uh, SpaceMax implementation, you hit the spacebar and like this little HUD pops up and let's, you know, let's say like Git is your thing you don't you don't use Git every day or or you're doing something in Git you don't do every day like a, like a diff or something like that you hit the spacebar and one of the options would be Git and you hit you know whatever it is it, the letter K or whatever it happens to be associated with and the Git uh, hub would pop up and I mean it it's very very nice. And the only reason I didn't actually continue to use it is there's like four uh, Vim bindings that I cannot live without, and if a if a implementation of Vim doesn't support it, so like if I'm using Atom with the Vim bindings or in this case SpaceMax, if I can't figure out how to how to implement these four bindings, uh, I won't use it. I mean, an example of those bindings are I hit uh, JJ when I'm in an insert mode. If I hit JJ, it takes me out of insert mode. If I hit enter when I'm in normal mode, it saves the file. Those are my two biggest ones. I know. Those two right there, even...
1: It's you. You know what? You love Vim so much. You've told me this story like four times. <laughs>
0: yeah. So th- those are my two biggest Vim bindings, right? Yeah. And if I can't, if I can't get something to to do that, like if if there's a Vim emulator that, you know, like for Adam, I think Adam doesn't use. I, I can't get one of them working, Adam. So I don't. That's one of the reasons I don't use Adam. But uh, I couldn't get. I didn't know how. And, and I'm sure they would work, but I didn't know how to configure them in Emacs. And I went to read the documentation on how to configure key bindings in Emacs. Uh, that shit ain't easy, man. It's, man, that, that's like difficult stuff. You like have to basically code. If you know Lisp, it's fine. <sighs> You're right. Do you know Lisp? Maybe no, I no, no, you. no, I didn't realize you were Emacs person. I did.
1: I used yeah. Lisp because I... So you have to remember that this is 2004, 2005. So when you're talking about PHP IDEs, there is nothing out there. However, mm. Emacs had a PHP mode and an HTML mode. So Really? Yeah. Now, you could only run one mode at a time unless you ran the multi-mode mode, which could switch between two different modes at once, but you had to write that in Lisp for yourself to get that to work. <laughs> <laughs> Now, fortunately, my mentor was uh, a graybeard, so he had no problem just getting it working for me, but...
0: never, I, I never pinned you as an Emacs user, man.
1: I I never considered myself an Emacs user, because as soon as I found out that IDEs were a thing, that was where I started going.
0: Oh, really? So, so you've never used, like, just, just a text editor?
1: Yeah, Hot Dog Pro.
0: You, you've always been...
1: A... I'm... I'm serious. 1996, I was getting, I mean, there was a, a glut of of homepage makers. And mm. as as a teenager, I wanted to have my presence on the internet known. So I had like five different uh under construction websites at the time with flaming skull <laughs> animated horizontal rules and things like that. I mean, I was the the ugly part of GeoCities. For sure, mm-hmm. I, I remember when Blogger got bought by Google, and I had a website there, and I had a website on GeoCities, and I remember when LiveJournal came out, and I thought it was dumb, so I didn't have one there. I mean, I'm old school internet, you know. I still use yeah, you old. know I still use Usenet too. I know you
0: do, yeah.
1: You know when I started using Usenet? Ninety four. Before AOL had a web browser or had a connection to, quote unquote, the internet, it had support for Gopher and Usenet, both of which I used.
0: That's funny. I don't, you know, I I remember back in high school, there wasn't the internet like, like there was today. There is today. And um, not even close to it. And all we did in high school, we had the dial-up modems and you had to dial into into different systems and uh the uh so you know we had our little school system we dial into and, and that was it right i mean you know there was it, it was a bulletin you know you could dial into bulletin boards but you had to dial into each bulletin board separately it wasn't like this all, all oh, yeah. connected internet right and uh you know after that i think i you know i, I Went to college, I did some COBOL programming, and I realized I hated it, <laughs> and uh, I, I swore that I would never code again, and I probably should have kept that promise, but uh, but then the, you know, the internet eventually came around, and I realized, hey, coding's easy again, let me get back into this. But uh, I, I never got into NewsNet or, I, or Gopher, or, you know, I, by, by the time I hit the uh, internet, HTTP was a thing, uh, I... I I think the f- actually the very first thing I did was Juno Mail. I don't know if you remember Juno oh, yeah. Mail, but Juno Mail was the first, and that was my first email address. And I dial up and just see. I-, I knew absolutely nobody who had email, nobody at all. But I would dial in every day to see if somebody emailed me. <laughs> I had nobody to email because nobody had email addresses. But you know, I would dial in see if I happened to get something from somebody. And um but yeah. did,
1: did you ever did you ever download Playboy pictures? On your modem? Uh,
0: yeah. You mean, like, nudies?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, because it was Playboy. Because I remember when there was just Playboy on the internet.
0: I don't remember it being Playboy, but, yeah. I mean, I remember 1993. 1993,
1: my brother went to college and was part of his comp sci. He had access to the internet. Oh, yeah. And he, he showed me, hey, look, Playboy has a website up. Really? They were it. That was that was it. Two hundred and fifty six yeah. colors, right? Everything was dithered to hell and it took like a half hour to download a single image. <laughs> and yeah, there was a long time where where if there was a nudie picture it was it was published by Playboy.
0: Uh, Playboy's still a thing? Are these still around? No. They're not? Are you are you serious? No. Are they really not a publication
1: anymore? They're a publication, but they're not a nudie publication anymore. They went clean. What? Yeah. No, no nipples, no nothing. It's really? all. Uh, yeah, it's it's just as provocative as uh, FHM or Maxim. It is no longer an adult magazine. Oh, they to... they have networks. If you go on the internet, they still have Playboy networks, which are adult oriented, but the magazine itself is interviews and stuff like that
0: really yeah what do you know Hmm. well i mean yeah they they've got to do what they've got to do to to survive i guess if that's what they feel like they need to do to survive
1: so another thing i've been doing this week we've talked we've talked throughout the week which we don't normally do but we've talked throughout the week about uh the podcast and the format and things like that we talked a little bit about it on the podcast last week so i've we're switching up the format a little, bringing it back to the original concept, having it <laughs> hanging out chatting, not doing news breaks and and covering our own drama so i had a I had a text pad open that had my like little talking points for the week things I wanted to remind myself, okay, and I've had it open all week, just sort of leaving myself little notes uh-huh. and I I went to open a uh, 200 megabyte SQL file today, and it opened up in the same text editor, <laughs> and and crashed it.
0: You know, Vim could open that up with no problem, but you know, I'll I'll I digress. Go ahead. So yeah, it crashed your uh, text editor. That yeah. sucks. Did you so, not save the file?
1: No, I, they were just. It was supposed to stay there. I wasn't expecting to have to. Yeah, I see. Can't do. save so, all.
0: I got I got I got two suggestions for you. So, number one, you've probably heard me, and i I've been doing this without telling you guys i I do this a lot because I don't want y- so listeners of the show know know that we have a trello board, and we'll put news or articles up on the trello board and the it, it's meant to get feedback from every everybody on these topics when we get around to talking to them, like Thomas said. We're changing the format a little bit. We we always felt we, we try to post a bunch of new stuff, and we always felt like we needed to get through all the news items. We're g- going to kind of go away from that a little bit. But something I've always done is I have a to-do list where I would post topics I wanted to talk about, but I didn't want to share with you guys because I wanted you guys to, I wanted you to get, get your honest responses to. Sure. So right before the show, you probably heard me say, well, let me see if there's something else I want to talk about, and I pulled up my little to-do list. I'm like, yeah. And Chuck, Chuck, the one topic I was going to talk about uh, mainly because John wasn't here. So there's that. Uh, I don't recommend that. I'm a heavy to-do list to-doist user for. So I use it like way beyond just to-do lists. I mean, I, I use it a lot. The one thing you might want to li- you might like, and I don't know, maybe you won't because you're not mo- productive, mobile like I am. But but, <laughs> simple note is a fantastic application. And the thing I love about Simple Note is it doesn't matter where I'm at. It is exactly what you said. It's used for jotting down quick little notes and reminders. And it syncs up to you know everywhere I go. So it's it's fantastic for that stuff. As far as like a a quote unquote text editor, that's that is my text editor now. Simple Well I have a you should check it
1: out. I have a Galaxy Note four with little stylus thingy, mm-hmm. so there are definitely some uh, evenings where I can think of an idea but can't make it to a computer, and that's that's where mm-hmm. all my stream of consciousness yeah. gets dumped out, and then I forget mm-hmm. about it forever.
0: Yeah, I use I like Simple Note a lot. I use that. I, I always I always have a Simple Note open in, on my system, regardless of if I'm mobile. Because when I'm when I'm at my home office like I am now, I have a desktop, but when I'm mobile, I have a laptop. And then there's always my phone too, which simple note I have on my phone as well. So again, you you keep all your notes, like you said, as you think of things, you put them there and there that that's where I've, I have, I actually have the, the list of numbers. So as I come across a number in day to day life, (laughs) I'll, I'll put it in in a simple note and I'll make a note of that number and, and what it, you know, what it referenced in, you know when i get to that episode i have it <laughs>
1: that is that should have remained a secret shame
0: you know i'm committed to this man Whole, i mean this is what i do day in and day out you you guys don't understand i never stop i never turn we we stop the we stop broadcasting but i never turn it off man i'm always doing this
1: did you see we got uh we got tweeted at and someone used the hashtag keep it ugly
0: I did. How cool was that, huh? Keep
1: it ugly. I I showed that to my wife, and she gave me a look like she, like it hurt her to know that I cared about this.
0: (laughs) I shared with you, only we need to get shirts made up, keep it ugly. I think that's that's their slogan.
1: It was never, yeah, but that's, it is our slogan, but we never discussed that at all. We never no. said keep it ugly is our slogan. <laughs> we sign off with it every time, but that's the end of the episode. I figure nobody gets to the end of the episode, so nobody's ever heard us say
0: that. Well, and what's funny is, if, if you if you remember the real history, I was the only one that used to that used to say it. I used to always say keep it ugly, and then all of a sudden you guys started saying it. I'm like, all right, cool. We're all saying keep it ugly now. Keep... I don't even know why I said it, but you know, we were trying to come up with a clever way of ending the show. And so I'm like, well, yeah,
1: but it. keep it, keep it ugly. I mean, that must have been like episode ten or something. That must have been over a year ago, and it just, it yeah. just happened. So <laughs> it happened totally organically, and it never occurred to me that it had happened at all until somebody hashtagged it. And I was like, holy shit, that's a thing. That's not supposed to be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I, I, yeah, I thought, I thought it was. I'm cool. stoked we have listeners now. We have, we have a, yeah. a good, a good handful of listeners now
0: it's fun yeah it's i i love getting tweets from people and i i I get people that reach out i I even get people that find me on telegram i guess i mentioned a few times on a few shows that i use telegram and i've had a few people reach out to me on telegram say hey are you you know are you this person i'm like yeah man that's me what's up (laughs) so it's fun i i i love it uh you get you get called choke on too don't you Shokum That's it man That's my hand. Well that's my Twitter handle That, that was my handle For the longest time When handles were cool And it's usually The username I, I'll go grab Because you know Nobody knows What Shokum is And it's not a Real word So it doesn't matter How late I get to a service Shokum is usually available So I'll go grab it And uh But yeah That was That was uh That's me man I'm Shokum Now I, I, You know I enjoy You know my handle Shokum. I do uh, what is your handle? Oh, wait, wait. Are you talking about your your current one? No. on Twitter? Or, or the one, the that, one I that I you... use
1: privately, on accident. So yeah. I'm I'm Pfy, on everything except for the things people would know me for, which I didn't. Right. Wow, well, I didn't I, I
0: didn't realize you were you had another handle. I didn't realize you were exposing that one. Well, I'm T ratout everywhere. I, I've T out or, no, but you had a, you had one. Real... You had PFY, and then I thought you had another one you told us about, and now now the name escapes me. So PFY
1: is a a callback to Bastard Operator from Hell, which is Mm -hmm. old school network admin comics stories, stuff like that. And, And once a year, someone on a video game will see my handle and say, Oh my god, dude! You're PFY. You're. <laughs> like, are you really PFY? Is that story about you?
0: Ex- ex- explain to him who PFY was.
1: Well, I won't give away the acronym because that's my favorite part of it is that people still yeah. don't know the acronym. But
0: you can, you can still but tell. But P-F-Y,
1: PFY was the sidekick of the bastard operator from hell. And he was a... a malicious little shit who worked for a giant malicious asshole. And they ran uh, business networks in the UK and wrote stories about what it was like to be a network admin in the 90s and early 2000s. So if you if,
0: if you make a living on the off the internet today or even enjoy this stuff, and you don't know who the bastard operator from hell is, look it up. Treat yourself. Google, check it out. It is hysterical. So it, it's it stand the test of time. And hey, this the the stories are just as funny today as they were back then. They were just hysterical, hysterical stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it was customer support stories before customer support stories existed. It's yeah. great stuff. It's true.
0: It wasn't exactly customer support stories, but yeah, it's they they kind of the same context. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, going with the trend of of uh, we've been we've been talking about revamping the format of the show a little bit. Uh, you know what we're not doing? We're it's not that's... ditching the doom and gloom. Oh, I mean, it's it's here to stay, baby.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think uh, the three <laughs> listeners that we have that listen to us daily uh, are, are, would would let us before before we get into the doom and gloom. We should we should have some wrap up to the drama that we talked about last week. Uh, <clears throat> so we did. I did mention that Taylor had DM'd me and. You know, we talked talk through the whole drama with uh, me saying that I didn't feel that Taylor, uh, you know, acknowledged his community enough. And, George Bush doesn't care about black people.
1: Uh, oh wait, no, that was Kanye, <laughs> wasn't it? That yeah. Was so Kanye. if any
0: if anybody's interested, I did not hear from Taylor after that show, so it's all it's all dead now. I mean, I don't know if it's dead. I'm sure Taylor is still pissed with me and not speaking to me or or whatever it is. But there was no further follow up. I mean. I I I said my piece and I reiterated my piece and that seems to be the end of it. So uh, I didn't want people to think that I was just leaving it out there or, or you know shoving into a corner. Just let them know that there's there's no there's nothing else to talk about. It's over.
1: Well, I mean I do. I do feel like he is trying to involve himself in the community more. He is retweeting things. He is interacting in a casual way. You
0: know, I, I was wondering if it was me. I was wondering if it was me because I, I like, I noticed over the last week or two, he definitely seems to be a lot. He seems and in, to a, be in a friendlier more, way, which, you know, which is I
1: wholly endorse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if that, uh, I don't know if that, you know, if that was a direction he was naturally going to, No, I think or we can take credit. If, if, It's something that he gave some thought. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take credit, sure. Why not? (laughs) Making Laravel a better community? Why not? I'll take credit for that, sure.
1: So if you've been following the news, uh, let's say, at all this week, you know what the doom and gloom is about. Trump? No. Amazingly enough. Um... (laughs) It, it would appear that Equifax had managed the perfect trifecta of throwing up on itself and then shitting its pants, and then handing its wallet to the nearest stranger. Oh,
0: man. Equifax.
1: Wow. So, okay. this is a big story. Um, I, I think it affects us more than people want to admit, because it is... It is online security in its rawest form, and people want to point and laugh, but the implications are pretty vast. Um, uh, we're going to cover a lot of just stuff quickly, I think, in this segment. I don't know if we want to spend four hours breaking down everything that happened, but on the subreddit, I'm going to try and publish something uh more my opinion and breaking down things piece by piece. So if you want to see...
0: Fair enough. So let's... Uh, I, I, I don't know if everybody who listens to the show will, will know who Equifax is. I'm moving my mic. Sorry about that. And when you do your post. Um, I don't know if everybody who listens to the show will know who Equifax is, but that's a... It's a US... It's US-based,
1: right? Uh, it's US-based, yeah. But it is international... Um, which is one thing we'll get into,
0: and uh, they do they do credit checks and credit reports and stuff like that. So that's kind of just kind of give you who they are and, and what they do. So
1: it it broke this week that Equifax had been compromised. One point, uh, I'm sorry, 143 million uh, customer records. Things including social security numbers, uh, full names, birthdays, things like that. Everything you would really need to compromise somebody's identity. And it slowly just sort of got worse and worse and worse from there. So it, it started off as like, oh, another big hack. Although this time it is a, an identity thief toolkit now. And it sort of escalated from there. Uh, into just everything that could possibly be done wrong in the face of such a thing. So, the 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 quick breakdown, I, I'm going to rush through some parts and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Uh, the exploit occurred because of a bug in Apache Struts that had a CVE issued for it. Uh, the vulnerability appears to have been pretty old. And by pretty old, I mean nine years old and should have been patched, updated, or managed by Equifax in some way. Uh, It came out that three upper-level managers dumped their stocks uh, the week before the announcement that the hack had occurred. Uh, It came out...
0: Right, that's that's (sighs) a big deal right there. Yeah,
1: and they're going to get what's coming to them, but uh and then it, it then it was revealed that the hack had actually occurred uh i believe at this point we just found out today months ago and that the de- the delayed response had caused a lot of problems or will be causing a lot of problems uh they launched a website that was going to tell you if you were compromised in the attack and you could <laughs> sign up for a free uh credit monitoring service Uh, analysis of the terms of service of that free credit monitoring service stated that you could not sue them for a breach in this case they denied that that was the case and that was generic terms of service it did not apply to the situation even though it was what was written in the contract that you agreed to so they could just say it didn't matter but it really did um but if you if you Mm -hmm. asked it what if you were compromised, the results it gave you were random, anyways. Uh, just by switching IP addresses, you could enter the same data and get a different result. And so, a developer who wrote a a bot to fight parking tickets decided, "I'm sick of all this. I'm going to change my bot so that it can file a uh, it can file a state small claims suit against." equifax automatically launching this bot uh allows you to quickly enter your information in and sue equifax for up to twenty five thousand dollars uh it is absolutely legitimate it is a real court case that gets filed in your name and you're responsible for it uh
0: it's funny i'm looking at their twitter feed and their twitter posting from september 1st is our chairman. And uh, CEO Richard Smith has been named one of Atlanta's most admired CEOs. Yeah, not anymore. You think that's still the case? It's oddly specific. It's not one of America's most admired CEOs. It's one of Atlanta's most. Like, this town in this country, this guy is, like, admired for being a CEO. So when do
1: you think the data breach occurred? If that you're was September, a hint, right? if that was September, you said
0: nine months ago. I said several. Um, I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking December, January.
1: It was July. So this they, year. Yeah. So they've been sitting on it three months. Yeah. Uh, which yep. is also illegal. You are supposed to disclose in a timely manner, which it did not. Fortunately, this was for the most part American citizens' data. However, it did pique the interest of security researchers who decided to look into Equifax's customer service portal in Argentina. <laughs> the administrator mm-hmm. username and password on the customer service portal in Argentina for Equifax's site
0: was admin password. Okay, to their defense, you've got to, you've got to admit, nobody would have thought they would have been that dumb enough to use the word password as their password now, and admin as
1: no person <laughs> yes but i can absolutely guarantee you that there are a billion bots out there who already discovered this and that this comprom- this data had been compromised long ago and that data re- yep. that data revealed 14,000 citizens private security numbers Uh, A a security system separate from social security, of course, but unique to Argentina and credit card numbers, transactions, debts. And so they pulled down that website once somebody discovered that all you had to do was ask for the country's credit information. (laughs) So now we're on to the class action lawsuit. The class action lawsuit is for 86 billion dollars. And the bigger, the bigger deal is it's throwing the entire concept of data collection as a monetization system into question. Is that if you are in data collection to monetize, what responsibility do you have? I mean, the, the creator of the bot to automatically sue Equifax stated that his intention was to bankrupt and destroy Equifax permanently he wanted the company to die and never come back which is clearly he's got a chip on his shoulder but he's not wrong Th- this was a this was a fuck up of every possible proportion everything that could go wrong went wrong in a cascade of 4 days of bad news and i'm sort of amazed that the american public isn't out in the streets withdrawing their cash from banks everyone i know is issuing credit freezes Mm -hmm. but the coverage that you're seeing about this really pales in comparison to the number of people it's going to affect um Mm -hmm. if you go to cnn right now you're still going to see hurricane irma coverage you will not see information on how the equifax breach is is going to destroy your life if you're unlucky, just a little unlucky. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the entire credit system is at risk right now if all of this information really is publicly available or will be publicly available soon. If I can get anyone's social security number and address and name and phone number and email address for five bucks, I mean, we're looking at season two, Mr. Robot, right now.
0: Season three, actually. It's coming out.
1: Well, season three, it's, a, it's about cryptocurrency. It's about what we do after this disaster occurs. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this is a disaster of epic proportion that I think people are taking very, very lightly. Now, I'll tell you one thing. You know what? I'm not protecting my credit in the slightest bit. What do you mean? Plausible deniability. I have bad credit or no credit. I'm not a credit person. I've never worked on it, never cared for it, made lots and lots of mistakes in my youth, don't care about my credit. There's a lot of Americans out there who, if they're told that their credit is at risk, they're not going to care. They're just going to say, great, I don't want to freeze my credit. I don't care. I don't give a shit. So once those accounts get compromised – all you have to do is say, "Yeah, Equifax happened. Credit is a joke now. No one took it seriously. How are you going to collect on something that you can say you can point at Equifax and say this happened? You can't collect from me because I clearly got my stuff. Com- Everyone got everything compromised. I mean, this is
0: probably this is you. Pro- you probably you probably shouldn't be outlining that plan on a podcast, Thomas. I don't. I don't know. That might be not a plan. Bad just, idea.
1: I don't care." I'm just saying I don't care, but I know people who are a lot poorer than I am who really don't care either, and now Equifax is on the hook for the credit of the entire nation of people who don't really care about their credit. Some of those people Mm -hmm. might be malicious, some of them not, but the concept of credit is going to take a very, very strong hit in the next year.
0: I don't think the concept of credit is, but the concept of somebody's credit report will.
1: Sure. I'm, I'm equating the two. Okay. Hey, you want the uh, you want the domain equahacks.com?
0: Do I want yeah. it? Yeah.
1: You can't have it. it. They bought it before they announced that they got hacked.
0: They bought it before? Wow. Mm-hmm. wow.
1: Yeah, they hired a PR firm uh, and a few... Uh, the the week preceding the announcement of the hack, the PR firm went around buying domains that could implicate Equifax negatively.
0: Which didn't help the situation, I'm sure. So there's
1: your doom and gloom. Just a little. Mm-hmm. Just, just the casual implication that society is collapsing and you're not really noticing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh... Alright. Well, as far as doom and gloom goes, that's not that bad.
1: Well, what do you th- okay. th- what do you think about so, it? Because the the discussion now is liability.
0: I think I think it's horrible. No, it's horrible. Uh, you know, it's it really needs to be a wake up call to people how much of our information is out there, and, I, and I'm just as guilty of it. You know, you have to have your information out there to get anything done. And uh, I used to have this uh, conversation with my dad before, before he passes. You know, my dad refused to participate in any, any of this online stuff. He, and he refused to do online banking because he didn't want his information on the internet. And you know, I kept telling him, like, it doesn't matter if you participate or not. The information is there. And, and it's accessible. I mean, whether you choose to take advantage of it or not, it's there. And we need to understand, as a society, what that impact is. So where it used to be a credit score was such a concrete number in the, in the dirt, where it says, okay, this is how good of a person you are, we need to come to the realization that that does not really represent anything anymore, because we have all these challenges now of identity theft and you know breaches. You, know, it's just it's it, it, it's a reality of the world we live in. I don't think it's going to change. I do think that stricter glo- global laws need to be implemented for people who participate in these hacks. I and and that's you know that's one of the problems we have because. These hacks can happen in countries that are very lax on the hackers. Sometimes they can hack with the government support, um, and something something needs to be done about that. Where it's just this, you know, global.
1: I say the opposite.
0: Well, that's an interesting statement. What's your what
1: CVEs? Do you know what a CVE is?
0: CVE? No, I don't know what a CVE yeah.
1: is. Uh, consumer uh, common vulnerability and exposure so these kinds of exploits are usually well known before they are taken advantage of Uh, things like well all of the ransomware stuff that came out lately um, Mm -hmm. the blue note or whatever it was Mm -hmm. these are things that for a long time they were known issues and you just had to keep up on it and keep your stuff updated um but then the nsa leak occurred which produced a bunch of zero day vulnerabilities a zero day vulnerability is a vulnerability that's not covered by a company yet they don't know that it exists and there's no patch for it mm-hmm. what we need is a government cybersecurity agency which inspects software for vulnerabilities and enforces companies using that software to keep an updated version of the software.
0: Uh, I think that's a dangerous statement you just made.
1: Right now, the people doing the research are Krebs, Shiner, uh, Kapersky, private corporations, private companies whose interest is selling their expertise. They do all of the security research.
0: Uh so so you, you're 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 actually promoting the government's involvement in everything, basically.
1: I'm saying that the government, when it comes to the mass collection of data of American citizens, needs to have a say. The government wow. needs to be able to That's go to Equifax. Statement. The government needs to be able to go to Equifax and say if you're gonna collect this information, it better be secure we're going to make well, sure they do. it is. I
0: mean, I mean, they do that now. They, they don't. laws and regulations. They do. They so look at, laws and regulations. So look in, at the in, regulation. In the company, I...
1: Look at the regulation that exists to prevent this from happening, happening with Equifax. It's called the regulation gap, wherein the FCC has control over the regulation, but handed it down to a second party who was in charge of enforcing regulation, but they had no teeth. The enforcement of the regulation was just a that's verbal warning. That's an issue warning. with
0: the government, though. That, that's an issue with the government. Right, because but, these are but, two separate entities
1: that are trying to the, pass the, the
0: buck. The check the checkpoints are in place. You know, what you're saying is you want to shift responsibility over to the government to, to say when something like this happens, we can point to the government and say, hey, you shouldn't have let this happen. Um but i you know in a way we, we 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 what we have implemented now is better the the party is still responsible but the government implements regulations and keep in mind we're only talking about the us government the internet being a global you know entity it's it's kind of tough to say you know that this this has to hold true for every service out there that's why uh, you know we see now a lot of people who, when you visit a site, will get that warning message hey, this site uses cookies. Acknowledge that and, and click this Xbox. That's a regulation implemented by another country. That's not a U.S. regulation. But, right, but that's got teeth, though. But it has that teeth. Has it has teeth because a single the, the, regulatory the, the agency The, that the says government's if you implementation don't. of it allows it to have teeth. So, again, we have the regulations in place. Whether or not they have teeth is our own, is our government's fault. That's what needs. And I'm to be saying corrected. that they should give it, give it teeth. Okay, so so you don't need the government to approve software, which is the the comment you said. No, you you, you need the government to to enforce the regulations, and you and you want the government to enforce them, not to hand it off to another party.
1: Right, but I also don't want it to be an issue of prosecuting the people once the cat's out of the bag. If all of our consumer information is out and released, putting five people in jail doesn't fucking mean anything to me. What what matters to me is making sure that it never happens again and that a system of secure information retention exists that won't be violated in such a simply stupid way.
0: Uh, yeah, I think I, I, I think you're asking for too much there. That just won't happen.
1: I, I think the the Equifax breach has presented a lot of problems that a lot of people in our industry knew were going to happen. We knew that this was going to occur, and we're sort of not surprised that it's happening. I'm sort of not surprised that the media isn't making a big deal out of it.
0: Well the bigger thing is, personally, not only am I not surprised it happened, but this is not the worst of it. It's going to get worse. Absolutely. I promise you it's going to get worse. People people are literally gonna see the money in their accounts disappear at some, some point. And there will there'll be some sort of uproar about it. You know, a lot of these a lot of these breaches we've seen have been with credit cards and uh, all, all these kind of virtual money scenarios. But nobody's, you know, you, you don't see it that much with cold hard cash. We, we do have to struggle with identity theft, but there's there's an effort involved with that. I'm still banking on the day that banks <laughs> have a serious breach that includes the draining of people's physical money. Yeah, absolutely. People like me. Yeah. People like me will have to fight their financial institutions to prove how much money should be in their account. Cause if you think about it, all my worth is in these financial institutions. Now I break mine up, uh, between financial in- institutions. This is one of the reasons, because I'm anticipating the day where one of the, one of these institutions get hit and all of a sudden I see no money in my account and it's going to be catastrophic to myself and everybody else who's a part of that financial institution. And it's, you know, I, and, and I, I, again, I heard back to Mr. Robot where they had an episode of a lady trying to explain to the bank that I've closed my loans with you. I've paid off my loans. I want my money out. And them saying, we can't prove any of that. We're not giving yeah. you any money. It's like, wait a minute. No, it's my money. Yeah. Give it to me. And it, that's going to happen. And people need to understand that. It's, it's. I, I'm not saying store money under your mattresses. That's not necessarily a great idea. But you need to be prepared for the day you wake up and your bank is on the news and they say, oh, yeah, if you bank with us. <laughs> We're sorry, you can't make a withdrawal for another week or two until we figure all this out.
1: Well, and this has happened in other countries that America likes to think are not first world countries, but they absolutely are. There have been runs on banks in in the last 10 years multiple times. So um, this doesn't apply to me, but so that our uh, listeners who for some reason have lots of money know – uh, FDIC coverage for a bank is up to $250,000 per account. So if you have more than $250,000 in cash, split it between banks, make sure that the that's, FDIC that's coverage, I make sure your I FDIC it. coverage is split up and that your insurance exists on all your accounts. Um, know that credit unions are not FDIC insured.
0: And the thing about it is FDIC insurance. it it's, I don't want to say it's a philosophy, but it's never <laughs> it's, been anything that's yeah, really been. It hasn't been never put been into anything practice. Anything that's been exactly, it's never yeah. been put to the test. The federal government never ha- has never had to come back and say, "Okay, here's all this money back to this institution because it, we insured it." It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So, and if you're renting,
1: yeah. if you're renting your house or if you have a uh, an upside down mortgage, uh, you should probably know what squatters' rights are. You should probably know how long you're allowed to live in your home without paying so that your family has a roof over their heads in case all of a sudden you have no money. Um, Because we like to think of squatters as awful people or the bad end of the spectrum, but the day comes that everyone gets fucked, you might need to be a squatter so that you still have a roof. I'm glad you're on board with Doom and Gloom this week. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna close it. I'm gonna close it there. Uh we we've gone to a, a dark right. place.
0: Sounds good to me. Uh, you you uh you enjoy editing. This oh time.
1: I I am sure I will. <laughs> Alright, I'm Tom Rideout.
0: I'm Eric ugly Keep it Keep ugly. It ugly.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly and thanks to our sponsor, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Show notes can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or directly off the PHP Ugly RSS feed. A rating of five stars on iTunes is appreciated. Submit articles to PHPUgly at reddit.com slash r slash PHPUgly. Until next week, keep it ugly.